I'm Marv Ulbrich with Ulbrich Farm Service in Weimar, Texas. We're listening to the latest news from Texas Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen some decent corn yields in northeast Texas this year. Decent, given the fact that we've had a year-long drought. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Farmers and ranchers in the Texas High Plains had the opportunity to hear a top state lawmaker talk about water policy this week. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts from Senator Charles Perry. Central Texas rain totals varied greatly across farms and ranches in mid-August. The rain greened up pastures, but also created another challenge for ranchers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Corn harvest has passed the halfway mark here in Texas with 53% of the crop now harvested. In northeast Texas, Braden McInnes says he had a great stand this year, but the drought and heat took a toll on his corn crop. We're, we're probably average. We're right around that 100 bushel to maybe 110 bushel. The dry weather, the dry spring helped us a lot, helped our corn to root down into moisture. We had a very, the most consistent stand that I've probably ever had since I started and had huge potential. And of course, the, the no rain in June and the three or four weeks of 100 degree weather in June probably took 30, 40% of the yield off the top. But McKinnis says he is happy with the yield he got given the weather circumstances. You know, I'm not complaining at all about our yield, but when you have that potential and you keep spending money and, and, you know, trying to push yields and then it, you know, it doesn't do, doesn't get close to what you were shooting for and you got a bunch of money in it, you know, it's still, the heat and dry weather sure, it it sure hurt us. And I I think the heat hurt us more than the dry weather because we actually, these bottoms, we've got deep soil moisture and we got pretty heavy clay ground and it, and we were rooted down into it and it just, the heat just, was like a blow dryer in June, and it just it, it cooked it. McKenna says he started harvest much earlier this year because of the drought and high temperatures. This has been a tough year for Texas cotton, especially out in West Texas and the Panhandle. Gerald Key runs Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman, and he says in his area of the northern Panhandle, the dry land crop is hit or miss. You pretty much nailed it. The dry land is hit or miss, and if you were in the right spot, and it seems like if you were in the right spot this year, you stayed in the right spot. And if you weren't in the right spot, you're still dry. 
it's the story of the season for sure. But the irrigated crop in the northern panhandle is looking decent as we head toward harvest. Well, it's really starting to shape up. All season long, we've been very pleasantly surprised at the bowl retention. But we did spend a lot of time just kind of sitting still in that late May, early June during all that cool weather. So we had some catch-up to play, but it's looking pretty good. I don't know that we're going to blow the doors off on yields, but they're going to be solid. He says September will be the most important month for development of cotton in the Texas panhandle. And so we'd like to see a little more heat, but if we're getting those mid-90s, we're doing okay as long as we're not getting real cool at night. But a guy told me one time, if there's more wheat pasture in the country than there is cattle to graze it, the quality's probably not going to be real good. So if we can stay warm and not too wet and cool, we still need to finish the crop. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. Farmers and ranchers in the Texas High Plains had the opportunity to hear a top state lawmaker talk about water policy this week. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. In order to strengthen the state's water supplies, more needs to be done to explore opportunities with desalinating salt water and making use of so-called produced water, which is a byproduct of oil and gas extraction. That's the message of Republican State Senator Charles Perry. I'm a water supply guy. There's conservation efforts, and those are important, and there's things that we should be doing to make what we got last longer, but until we develop new supply opportunities, and that's brackish, marine, produced And then hopefully good Lord provides rain that he's given in the last few weeks. We're not going to have our supply needs met. So I'm going to always be focused on more supply opportunities. Senator Perry, whose district includes much of the southern part of the Texas High Plains, also says more must be done to replace aging pipes. We're leaking about 143 billion gallons of water a year in Texas just through leaky infrastructure. So I'm working on an infrastructure fund to where it can leverage local and state resources to start rebuilding out pipe in the ground that needs to be replaced because we're losing water supplies. So that's a new supply opportunity with existing water supplies, right? We're keeping what we got. But when it comes to water policy, Senator Perry says he is not willing to take rights away from landowners in the name of water conservation. That means preserving the state's rule of capture. It's important because it's a private property right in our country. What made us unique around the world was self-governing with the right to develop things for wealth and, and, and income and kind of control our own destiny. That was a unique concept our founders put in place. Senator Perry was in Canyon this week to address ag producers at the Extension Services Randall County Ag Day. A pretty big crowd came out for that event, 81 people in attendance altogether, Another topic for the event was wheat, and we'll cover that in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas rain totals varied greatly across farms and ranches in August. Tom Nicoletti tells us the rain greened up pastures, but created yet another challenge for farmers and ranchers there. We go to Dr. Shane McClellan reporting on the conditions in Central Texas. And uh, Shane, just like uh, across the state, uh, rain has finally fallen in the region of the Blacklands. And uh, what are some of the rain totals that you are receiving from farmers and ranchers around the McLennan County and uh, adjacent areas that fell in mid to uh, late August? Rain totals vary greatly. Some are receiving much more than others. There were several different rainfalls that came over, I would say, a Thursday to a Monday. And uh, in those rainfalls, you know, some might be half an inch, some might be two tenths. And then if you're on the northern side of McLennan County, you got up to four and a half inches. I've all got some, but uh, not everybody got uh, a good large amount. Very scattered in those rainfall events. 
Most of them were a slow soaking kind of rain. Uh, those on the northern end, where they got some bigger, large kind of runoff type rains. But even those areas uh, didn't catch a lot of water in stock tanks just due to the ground being being so dry, absorbing most of that moisture that it did receive. So how do you foresee any of this rainfall at this point uh, helping cattle producers, uh, livestock in uh, the region? Well, the rains that came on a Thursday were actually greening up pastures by Monday. Surprisingly, it was really uh, making some pastures have that green tint to it. And I walked through some pastures with some beef and forage producers, and we saw a lot of green coming up, a lot of emerging seeds. Uh, some of that may have been from weeds, but a lot of it was from grass. That's just a good feeling to know that the, the earth is responding, soil's responding to the, the uh, moisture that we are receiving. And if we continue to get some rains, and we actually can have some grazing out in our pastures fairly soon. But Shane, the problem of prussic acid poisoning and its negative impact on livestock is sure a concern right now. So cattle and other livestock should be uh, immediately removed from any toxic pastures. Yeah, and I get a whole bunch of phone calls from producers right now about prussic acid. We've got you know sorghum sudans and Johnson grass that is drought stressed. Then we'll get some moisture that Johnson grass will start growing. And once it starts growing, then we can have some prussic acid form in those plants. So everybody with cattle out on Johnson grass needs to be aware of that, that they could have some prussic acid. And uh, the only way they can going to fight that is to get some testing uh, of their grass at a, at a laboratory. Now, a report I saw indicated that some cotton producers in the Blacklands are reporting that they're delayed in harvesting their crop because of the rain. Cotton harvest has started, and a lot of producers were getting started, getting in the routine of cotton harvest and, and getting going out there, and then the rains made them stop. Most of the benefit from the moisture receiving now, as far as row crop, will be just in the future, getting fields ready for the fall for wheat and oat planting, and then, of course, filling out some moisture to we've had just from being dry. Shane, thanks for that report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting on crop and pasture uh, conditions in Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 150 lucky Texas anglers will soon have the opportunity to fish for an alligator gar at one of the most popular places in the world to harvest them. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a recent study looked at a pain medication for humans that may also be used in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Before you go out this summer, Texas A&M Forest Service wants you to keep these extreme heat safety tips in mind. Stay hydrated. Check with local county and city officials for burn bans and fire restrictions. Always have some water readily available if you light a fire or are working with equipment. Make sure your equipment is maintained and clean. Keep water with your equipment and have a plan. With these dry and hot conditions, one spark can lead to a large wildfire. For more information, visit tfsweb.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A recent study looked at a pain medication for humans that may also be used in horses. But Dr. Bob Judd says you have to be careful when using medication developed for a different species. 
You have to be careful giving drugs approved from one species to another species. The pharmacology and physiology of each species can be very different, and a medication used in humans or one species of animals should not be used in another species unless tested. For example, acetaminophen sold under the trade name Tylenol is very safe in humans and yet can be toxic in dogs and extremely toxic in cats. Unfortunately, the drugs tested for humans are rarely tested for animals because of the cost, so we have to wait for veterinary researchers to perform studies to see if certain human drugs can be used in animals. We are always looking for pain medications for horses, as most of the pain medications we have, like butazolidin and banamine, can cause multiple side effects like stomach ulcers. Consequently, a research team out of Virginia tested acetaminophen to see if it was effective and if it was toxic to the horses. Acetaminophen is inexpensive and available over-the-counter. However, acetaminophen, or trade name Tylenol, sometimes also includes other ingredients for humans like Tylenol cold and flu or Tylenol PM, and also generic meds with the same ingredients. These other ingredients have not been tested in horses, and so products containing only acetaminophen should be used. Dr. Melissa Mercer tested 12 horses by giving them 30 of the 500 milligram tablets every 12 hours for an 1,100-pound horse. She did this for 21 days with no side effects. The drug is rapidly absorbed orally and did not remain in the tissue after stopping the medication. Although not as effective as the pain reliever butazolidin, it has less side effects and could be considered in horses with musculoskeletal pain, but is not approved by the Food and Drug Administration in horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 150 lucky Texas anglers will soon have the opportunity to snag an alligator gar at one of the most popular places in the world to get one. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas anglers can now enter a drawing for the opportunity to harvest the fish of a lifetime. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting entries for its annual Alligator Gar Harvest Authorization Drawing. The drawing system gives 150 anglers the opportunity to harvest an alligator gar over 48 inches from the Trinity River while allowing the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to conserve the resource for current and future generations. Anglers with a valid fishing license can enter online or via the My Texas Hunt Harvest app through the end of the month. You can enter individually or as part of a small group. Anglers who receive the authorization can use any legal means to harvest an alligator gar over 48 inches, day or night, from a section of the Trinity River from the I-30 bridge in Dallas downstream to the I-10 bridge in Chambers County, including Lake Livingston and the East Fork of the Trinity River, upstream to the dam at Lake Ray Hubbard. That includes the following counties, Anderson, Chambers, Dallas, Ellis, Freestone, Henderson, Houston, Kaufman, Leon, Liberty, Madison, Navarro, Polk, San Jacinto, Trinity, and Walker. Craig Bonds, TPWD's Inland Fisheries Director, said this segment of the Trinity River has become one of the most popular destinations in the world to catch an alligator gar. But there are concerns about overharvest and the impact that could have on fishing quality. So the drawing system was put in place to allow anglers an opportunity to catch one of these alligator gar while still protecting the resource. Again, you can enter the drawing on the My Texas Hunt Harvest app through the end of the month. Winners of the drawing will be notified by October 15th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time for a look at the markets. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833 833- 8972474833897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call. 8338972474 or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed mostly higher in Wednesday's trade. We finished with October live cattle up 22 cents, 142.80. December live cattle up 10, 148.57. The February was down 17 cents, 153.15. Feeder cattle getting support from a big drop in the corn market. September feeders up 70 cents, 183.15. October feeder cattle up 87, 184.35. While November was up $1.17 at 185.70. Cash fed cattle market dropped a dollar this week. The cattle we've sold so far here in the South have gone at 141. That's a buck lower compared to last week's average. When you look up north, the price 143 to 145. That's a buck lower as well. But you can see where that spread, that huge $10 spread we've been seeing between North and South, is narrowing now. 141 in the South, topping at 145 in the North. So about a four buck spread now between the North and the South. Boxed beef prices lower on Thursday. Choice down 80 cents, 257.54. Select down 97. At 236.77. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, welcome back to Walking the Pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host. And Gary Butler's our guest. Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock. How'd the Monday sale go? Uh, Larry, we were a little shorter than we've been due to the due to the rain. You know, it was scattered in places, but uh, whoever got some rain needed it. And uh, we had two inches here, and, and, uh, and a lot of our viewing customers had, had more than that. Uh, the market is uh, excellent. Uh, if you've got some calves to sell, they sure bring in a lot of money. Uh, two and three weight steers. I Dollar fifty-five to two forty-five heifers. A dollar twenty-four to two twenty. Three and four weight steers. A dollar sixty-six to forty heifers. A dollar forty-one to two ten. Four and five weight steers. A dollar fifty-eight to two twenty heifers. A dollar forty-nine to two fifteen. Five and six weight steers. A dollar fifty-three to a dollar ninety-three heifers. A dollar forty-two to two fifty-five. Six and seven weight steers. A dollar forty-two to a dollar eighty. And the heifers. A dollar thirty-four to a dollar seventy-three. Seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings. Dollar twenty-six to dollar fifty-three. And the heifers. A dollar forty-one to a dollar forty-four. And like I said, Larry, the calf market is excellent. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen these cattle this high in uh, you know a year or so. Uh, slaughter cows uh, got ninety-three for the best cow. Put a lot of money back on them. Slaughter bulls eighty-six to a dollar six. We didn't quite have uh, high yielding bulls we had last week 
uh, stocker cow for fifty to nine sixty uh, pairs, seven ten to eight hundred. Larry, good. What are we anticipating for Monday, or do we going to have a sale Monday? Uh, we're not going to have a sale uh, Monday, Larry. Uh, due to Labor Day, uh, Lou, Lou Thompson has his sale on Labor Day weekend, and, and we we uh, shut down that, that that Monday. Okay, well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. You can catch us here at Sale Barn eight three zero five eight two fifteen sixty one or sixty two. Catch me on my mobile eight three zero eight five seven forty three thirty. Larry, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, neighbor, for listening. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs were mixed on Thursday. The nearby October was up 42 cents, 91.95. December hogs down 10 at 83.77. Class 3 milk was lower. September milk down 6, 1957. 100 weight, with October milk down 44 at 1945. 100. A huge drop in the cotton market on Thursday, global recession fears, and more COVID-19 lockdowns in China putting pressure on the market. Another factor that pressured the market is the fact that USDA cannot release its weekly export sales report. We usually get that every Thursday morning, but last week they moved to a new internet reporting service and It just flopped. It didn't work. It didn't work again this week. So they've got some problems with reporting export sales out of USDA. We have no idea how many bales of cotton have been sold the last two weeks, and that adds some pressure to the market. We close with the December contract limit down 500 points, closing at 108.21. March cotton limit down as well, 500 to close at 105.14. Those global recession fears putting big pressure on the grain markets also. That combined with the fact that we've got a dollar sitting at 20-year highs right now. And, of course, that could affect exports. Pressured corn and wheat sharply. We close with September corn down 15 and a half, 6.58 and a quarter. December corn down 12 and a half at 6.58 a bushel. Same story in wheat, except the losses were bigger. September Kansas City wheat down 60 and three quarters, 863 and a half. September Chicago wheat down 33 and a half at 775 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas up five cents at 918. October crude oil down 314, 8641 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow was up 41 points, 31,544. The Nasdaq down 75 at 11,740. The S&P down 2 at 3,952. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.